Hello and welcome to the Disability Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Marcus and this is my new um, podcast, as I just said. Um, I'm going to be talking to you about um, various reasons why I went into uh, self-employment. Um, but first I thought I would um, talk to you about uh, me for a little bit, just to introduce myself in this first uh, episode. I say in the coming weeks I'm going to be uh, talking to you about um, how I came to be in serviced accommodation and how I uh, came to be self-employed. But um, And also I'm going to be introducing and um, interviewing other people with disabilities, sometimes hidden, and find out the reasons why they have also decided to become self-employed. So are you doing now what you wanted to do as a child? And if you ever faced challenges that you couldn't have dreamed of, how have you beaten them? This is how it was for me. I grew up in the 80s, you see. I'm now in my 40s, riding bikes, playing in the street, building bases in the woods, being there at the start of the gaming era. I had an ordinary childhood, not realising that I had a disability. I was the kid who wore bottle top glasses, not realising the impact having a genetic condition would have on me in adulthood, particularly in the world of work. You see, I have a genetic condition called Marfan syndrome. And this is a condition that affects the um, connective tissue throughout your body. And in my case, it particularly affects um, my eyesight because you've got tiny little um, muscles in your eyes um, that are used to hold the lenses in place and focus. And those have snapped, so I've got dislocated lenses. So looking back through school, I had difficulty reading the blackboard Yes, I'm that old and whiteboards, um, and particularly if they had coloured writing, as I had no clue as to the challenges that laid ahead. I originally wanted to be a journalist, however, I was put off on the second period of work experience at the Evening Telegraph while at college. You see, a man had walked into the side of the bus I was on, and the editor was not happy, saying that a real journalist... Uh, would have got off the bus, rung into the office and interviewed witnesses. See, I told him about this the next day. But I was only 17 and untrained and was ultimately put off. All too soon I found myself at university, even though I'd never planned to be there. I was there as it was society that had deemed it necessary for you to be successful, or so I thought. I passed my first year, however, the second year started and it became clear that I wouldn't be able to keep up with the workload, especially the reading element of it. And there was very little help in the mid 90s um, if you have um, a disability, particularly a hidden one. Because um, we weren't labelled with disabilities back then. I wasn't totally blind, deaf or in a wheelchair. because This was the perception of what disability was at the time, including, I have to say, my own. Having quickly become stressed, I quit university on the 16th of November 1994. Not knowing what to do next, I increased my hours at my Saturday job as a car cleaner. Um, 24 hours over three days, eight hours a day. I looked for work on my two days off. That job, you see, paid roughly twice the dole at £66 a week. Um, through 1995, I had a succession of temporary jobs including a filing job for a payroll company. Looking back, perhaps not the best job 
for someone with a visual impairment. But again, I didn't see myself as having that visual impairment. The management there were constantly asking me why I was slow, even though I thought I wasn't. And they called me into the office one day, about a month before the end of my five-month contract, and started querying why it was taking me longer than expected still, even after four months. Well, I'd had enough, and with the air of someone who has no responsibility, because I was 20 years old and still living with my parents, I said, OK, are you going to sack me then, or what? Well, there was stunned silence. Right, I've got work to do then, I said, and I walked back out of the office and did my last month. But... They uh, they didn't take me on after that, um, but I wasn't particularly bothered either. I went um, I went back to looking for work. The advice of the careers service at the time when I left university um, was uh, find a career before the summer you turn twenty one, as it's at that point then all your peers will emerge from university with degrees. So you need to be settled by then. Now, please bear with me as there is a point to the background that I'm laying. In January 1996, I landed a job with a publishing house locally. Again, um, I hadn't seen myself as disabled, so I just said I I wore glasses. However, three weeks in, I was fired for being too slow. You see, I didn't understand how my vision was affecting me and consequently hadn't declared it. Um... I went to the job centre immediately afterwards and they put me in touch with the RNIB, the Royal National Institute for the Blind, who confirmed that I was in fact visually impaired and could receive uh, help through the job centre to find and secure work. Great, I thought. For the next five months, I applied for job after job. Um, I applied for over 300 of them, actually. Uh, I'm going into my three-month review and them saying, what have you done to look for work? And I brought out this massive great big folder and dumped it down on the desk. Well, they were a bit gobsmacked because they weren't used to people doing that. Um, uh, so they could see that I was trying everything that, that I could to get a job. Um, and the one that I actually succeeded in getting was the best job that I'd gone for in that five-month period. It was for the Northamptonshire Chamber of Commerce, then based on Malton Park in Northampton. So cue another barrier, getting there. You see, I lived in Rushton, which is 16 miles away, and it would involve at least two buses. Um, Stagecoach literally laughed at me down the phone when I asked if there was a connecting bus that could get me there for 9am. Luckily, the job centre were able to fund taxis from the Northampton Town Centre, and then later petrol costs for my dad to divert and take me on his way to work and back again. I learned I'd secured this job, on the day of the Euro 96 um, day it started. And I started the job the day after the final. So I just relaxed for three weeks, to be honest. I'd worked so hard for the for the five months running up to that. And what's better is it was two weeks before my 21st birthday. Big sigh of relief, you see. I'd done what the job, what the, um, not the job centre, the careers advisor had to, told me to do, get a job before that summer. I, le- I worked there for three wonderful years, learning all the ropes, thoroughly enjoying what I was doing, enjoying being at work, enjoying earning a salary, um, and really grateful for the help that the job centre had been able to give me. In fact, I liked um, the help so much that I left in October 1999, taking a two grand pay cut 
to start what I thought would be a career in the civil service for the benefits agency later to become DWP. Great, I thought, this is me for the next 40 years until I retire on half pay. I was 24 years old, what was I thinking? I still had ambition, yet was tailoring it to what I thought I wanted. I'd had challenges, but was broadly happy in the first 10 years, having plenty to distract me. You see, I met my ex-wife, got married, my son came along in 2005, and in 2008-9, when the global financial crisis hit, I arguably had one of the safest jobs in the country um, and got promoted during that time. Um, Although I was unsuccessful on numerous occasions before that and numerous occasions after, but that's for another podcast. It was in 2012 that my eyesight worsened following a fall on black ice on my way to work. You see, I fell over on that black ice, went going down with a thump in about two seconds and I broke my nose. Um, And straight after that, I noticed that I was walking into door frames on my right hand side and not having great depth perception. So I went and had my eyes rechecked again at at my optician who had records for me, who confirmed that I had in fact uh, fully dislocated one of my eyes, uh, uh, the the lenses in my eye that is. And um, she uh, sent me to the consultant um, who, who had a look um, and then said, yes, it should be okay. You just need to get a bit used to it. We'll keep an eye on you though, because I was having checkups every year anyway. But I then went to um, uh, the guide dogs to see how they could help me, because I had to get to work, you see, in all sorts of conditions. And I was becoming increasingly um, nervous about being out and about on my own. So in 2013, I was partnered with my now-retired guide dog, Elkie. She gave me so much confidence, it was great. Um, I became involved in the trade union as an equality rep and found great pleasure in being able to help and support my peers. I then put myself forward as the branch chair of the union in 2017. It was during that time that I had a second change. You see, I went to the National Conference in Brighton in May 2017 and found myself on stage in front of over 200 delegates from DWP, giving an off-the-cuff two-minute talk in support of resisting office closures. Well, I got a great sense of pride from being able to achieve that and didn't um, feel too nervous about doing it either. You see, I'd, I'd found something that I liked to do and a year later I was back there giving another speech to the 800 delegates from all over the civil service under the personal and commercial services banner. Um, I'd become increasingly disillusioned with my career, but I couldn't see a way out. And now during this time, I'd also split from my ex-wife and found myself back at my parents at 41. And it was the summer of 2017, a year later, that I joined um, online dating eHarmony and I met um, my now fiance, Jenny. Um, who lived 60 miles away. Um, However, uh, we started dating. Our first one was uh, a coffee at the newly opened Rushton Lakes at the time in October of that year. Hit it off straight away um, and I began to see the benefits of self-employment. You see, Jenny 
had run her own architecture business since 2008, since the crash before. And she taught me that I don't need to settle for a job, but one can get educated and follow my dreams. We both have a passion for property and so embarked on property training in early 2018, setting up a tame property solutions together in June of that year. I was still in employment and looking for a way out, having attended another weekend property sourcing um, training in October of that year, I thought this is it, my way to replace my income and get me out of my job. So I told everyone I could that I'd be leaving the civil service by October the 11th, 2019. You see, this date had a great significance for me. It would be the 20th anniversary of joining the civil service. Less than two weeks had gone by um, and my whole office was given the opportunity to apply for voluntary redundancy and I applied when perhaps I wouldn't have done. We then had a long wait to find out whether we were successful and in March of 2019 we discovered that three quarters of the office had been told that they could uh, leave if they wanted to at the end of June. So I grabbed it with both hands, seeing this as the opportunity and a way to parachute out of uh, a safe job and uh, land comfortably in the world of self-employment. Jenny moved to Wellingborough in the um, August of that year. And in the September, we started going to for networking locally. As I was new to self-employment, I was keen to get into this networking business and give myself, um, what am I trying to say here? Give myself accountability, I suppose. I was keen to see um, what it was like and, and just get to grips with it, really. I liked it so much that I joined after the first meeting and applied to be the group leader. Um, of course, we all know what happened at the start of 2020. Um, I, I'd been living off um, my redundancy money for, for six months um, and it, and looking to, to replace that with um, property sourcing but had to change into service accommodation as um, being self-employed does have its, uh, have its tri- trickiness I suppose um, so but that was starting to pay off and then the pandemic hit you see so um, we all ended up online networking globally um, and I managed to uh, keep hold of the houses that we'd got at the start of 2020 and uh, replace my salary um, that I'd left behind a year earlier by July of 2020. I'll go a bit more into depth in the future uh, uh, on other episodes um, about what I do uh, specifically um, and I'm going to be talking to other um, people who are self-employed with disabilities as well. And I hope this is going to become um, an informative and sort of safe space for people to learn about um, people with disabilities who've uh, gone into the world of work and then gone into self-employment. Um, and also um, to just be... Um, yeah educational i suppose so i mean if you've got any uh queries um look me up on on facebook or linkedin or or send me uh, uh send me a message 
Um, and, you know, I'll look to, to speaking with you soon. I've been Marcus. This has been the first episode of the Disability Entrepreneur Podcast. I'll see you on the next episode.